Super Talk Mississippi media production. Call free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday, Golden Eagle fans, and welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour, wherever you're tuned in across the state this afternoon or online. We're glad to have you with us as we wrap up another week of Southern Miss Sports Talk. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Opening segment of today's show, of course, sponsored by our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We just can't say enough good things about those guys. Uh, delicious food cooked seven days a week. You can get through the drive through You can have it delivered to your house. Or you can enjoy uh, Dickie's in their dining room. However you choose to do it, just be sure you choose Dickie's Barbecue. Sean Taylor is the beach volleyball coach at Southern Miss. He's joining us later in the show. Kelly Santer will be joining uh, Luke and I to talk about the upcoming football game and uh, Conference USA action across the country. But first... We want to talk some softball, and we've got head coach Brian LeVan with us, who graciously comes on the Eagle Hour in the middle of a practice. And, uh, Coach, we're very grateful to you for that. Welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always good to talk with you. All right, Coach. We've got lots to talk to you about. I know you guys are having your fall workouts as well. First of all, let's ask uh, how things are looking for your team uh, here in the fall, and uh, and then uh, Luke pointed out you had a really good recruiting class. He's going to talk to you a little bit about that. But let me ask you about uh, your fall workouts, what you're seeing, and uh, what you like, and, and maybe what you don't like, Coach. Yeah, we've uh, we've brought in a we, we had a pretty good class come in as well this year, and uh, lost the. I think one of the big losses we had was our shortstop Lacey Samuel, and she's very difficult to replace. Just the. Uh, She's like an on-field coach, basically. But uh, we're looking to fill that spot there. Everyone looks uh, – we're healthy. Everyone looks like they're doing well. Uh, we played um, – of course, couldn't have any outside competition. Um, but uh, we, we did have a, a little gold, black and gold World Series, which I think uh, was a lot of fun to do because we had uh, enough players on the squad to have two teams, and, and uh, the competition level was pretty high. So uh, that was fun to watch. But I'm pretty pleased with what we got. Now, Coach, I know it's a little frustrating for you. You come in, you're going to start building your program. COVID-19 hits you and uh, and cuts everything short. You must be really anxious to get these kids on the field for a full season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's you know, unprecedented times and kind of just kind of go with the flow here a little bit. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a very structured person and very, uh, you know, kind of to the point. And it's, it's, it's been a little difficult to – to be able to uh, have have a flexibility a little bit, I tell the players sometimes. You know, I'm I'm kind of showing my age here, but you got to be like Gumby. You know, you got to be <laughs> you got to be flexible and, and uh, be able to to work around some adversity here and there. Right, Luke, jump in. Coach, uh, thanks so much for coming on today. Just looking at this squad, and then in, in a minute I want to talk to you about the, the new signing class. This squad, I think uh, roughly around 10 ladies from the state of Mississippi. And, you know, you your, your philosophy, how important is it? What, what is the balance, I guess, uh, between, you know, getting out-of-state talent, which you obviously are, will get and want to have, versus, uh, you know, getting the best that Mississippi has to offer also? Well, 
Yeah, I mean, we always we always want to keep people from getting out of our own backyard. That's for sure. So that's uh, it's nice to have those uh, uh, local players and, and and kids from Mississippi on the roster. Uh, they play good softball here, so it's uh, it's it's it, we're always on the on the look for uh, people like that. As a matter of fact, we're bringing in. Uh, uh, you talked about next year, and, and I think you're going to talk about it later, but. Uh, and we're bringing in the Mississippi Gatorade Player of the Year here in Paige Kilgore, so we're excited about that. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're always looking for the best player, but uh, that that we can find. But uh, you know, Mississippi, we don't want people leaving leaving Mississippi to go play elsewhere. For sure. And and before we get to uh, the the signing class, just talk a little more about this year. Seems like you know you you've got a I think you got eight freshmen, but man, there's there's a lot of players with a lot of experience, upperclassmen. Of course, everybody thinks of of Destiny Brown, and then uh, man, the hot start that Madison Rainer had last year. Um, this is a real good team, um, you know, that has has some leadership out there to help these freshmen. Yeah, absolutely. We've got eight eight and nine senior uh, starters basically coming back, and uh, or who started or had you know significant playing time last year, so. It's exciting to have that, and uh, just the uh, just the example they set in practice and how hard they work and uh, how they go about their every, everyday business is, is is really a great example for the young players coming in. And you know, young players when they when they see that example, they understand this is how we do things here in at Southern Miss, and, and, and you know that it just emulates throughout the team and starts to build a, a really good culture. So uh, I think you signed nine um, last week, and, and really, like you just said, the Gatorade Player of the Year, and several. I mean, most of these are coming in. They're they're all state selections. They've had success, won state championships. One thing I kept noticing, Coach, on the on the website, is the reason that they chose Southern Miss, and two words really come up continually: culture and family. They were able to to get on campus, and uh, and, and I guess. That's the type of program and that you and and your staff want people to have when when they set their foot on the campus. They want to feel like they're a part of a bigger family. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's uh, kind of the whole premise of the program. At least how how I run it is is kind of around the whole family atmosphere and you know a love, serve, and care type of attitude towards players and. I think that the you know no one runs from that. They they want to be a part of that, and that's that that all culture and, and it revolves around having kids with good character, and that's kind of what we look for. We look for character kids that can play the game and and uh, and build that family relationship. Coach, now that you've been around a while, what what do you think about Conference USA softball? What level of competition uh, are, are your kids going to be facing uh, when the season gets underway this year? Yeah, we. Uh, Conference USA is tremendous. I mean, we you don't get a you know you talk about the SEC and these Power Five conferences and, and things like that. But I think the you know we're a top I don't know eight ten RPI conference, so we play some pretty good softball and we kind of up the up the ante a little bit in the in the uh, scheduling this year and bringing on seven Power Fives to play. So uh, we're looking we're looking forward to it. We're, we're we feel we can play with. Them. Who are some? Who are those schools, Coach? Um, we have Florida State. We're going to have LSU and Auburn. Well, we got uh, Old Miss and Mississippi State coming here, so that'll be awesome. And then uh, uh, Alabama down in Tuscaloosa. So you have the two dreaded northern schools coming to Hattiesburg. Is that what we just heard you say? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That, that'll get you fired up, won't it, Luke? 
Oh yeah, and I love it that they're coming here too. I mean, and uh, coach, I mean, every anybody that's met you or listened to you talk, I mean, you, people know, man, with your military background, you're not going to back down from anybody, and you always feel like you're not only in the fight, you're going to win the fight. And uh, so, man, that that is really, really exciting to hear uh, those those big teams coming in. I will ask you this because we've joked with some of your players before, and and uh, when when we've had you on before, but. Is is it difficult? And this may be this is a loaded question, bro. I'm I'm married to a woman, and uh, it, is it is it you know we, we don't think about that sometimes. These are young ladies, man, and you know they they get emotional, and and I guess that goes both ways. It it certainly has presents its challenges at the same time, man. It's it's very rewarding. Has that ever been an issue for you? You know, just coaching ladies. Um. Yeah. Well, it's different. There's no doubt. You know. Uh, uh, but I think I've. I'm blessed to have an incredible wife. I mean, she talks me off the ledge sometimes, but, <laughs> but, but, but no, it's, uh, you know, and gives me pointers on how to approach things and how to talk to these young women, you know, and things like that. But, um, you know, I mean, all in all, you're coaching, you're coaching young people, you know, gender, you know, it can come into to play, I guess, when you talk about the emotions of, a of a, of a, of a young female athlete. But the fact is that they usually take their cue from the leadership. You know, if the, yeah. the leadership is up and down and acting a fool and, and, you know, getting fired up about silly things, then they're going to act that way. You know, that's, that's just with any team. So I try to keep as even keel as I can with it. And, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of problems with it, to be quite honest. Well, we're glad you're here, Coach. We think you're doing a great job putting the program on the right track, and hopefully we get this virus out of our way here with uh, uh, with the vaccines that we're hearing about now and, and get a clear path for a, a good 2021 softball season. We uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, you're welcome on the show anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Anytime I, I can talk to you guys, I enjoy it. All right, Coach. Thanks so much. Coach Brian Levan, everybody, women's softball coach at Southern Miss, very impressed that he would talk to us Break away from practice, Luke, uh, right in the middle of his last fall practice to uh, come on the Eagle Hour. We're grateful for that. Florida State, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and I liked what he said. He said, we we know we can play with them. That's the kind of swag you want leading your softball program. No question. When we come back, beach volleyball is something Luke is uh, really into and knows a lot about, and he'll be talking to Sean Taylor about beach volleyball when the Eagle Hour rolls on. Back on a Friday, great talking to Brian LeVan, head softball coach at the University of Southern Mississippi. Great signing class. Go on southernmiss.com and read that story from last week and get to know uh, the newest Golden Eagles. There will be coming in 
next year and and just kind of uh, make yourself uh, you know knowledgeable about this year's uh, squad. A lot of freshmen coming in, but a lot of senior ju- junior leadership and and good stuff. Ten players from Mississippi, and uh, it should be exciting when they release that final uh, schedule and and all those Power Five opponents. So appreciate Coach Levan's time. Second segment, of the Eagle Hour, brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street. In Hattiesburg, Mississippi, right across the street from uh, the university and the place to go to get all the swag you need to cheer on the Golden Eagles. You can also shop 24 hours a day, seven days a week at campusbookmark.net, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Man, it's Head Coaches Day. Glad to have next on the Eagle Hour with us, Sean Taylor, who's the head coach of Beach Volleyball. And, uh, Coach, I I know it's November, but, man, there's never really a bad time to talk about beach volleyball. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. No, and when we're living in the south, it means we can have a lot of fun in the sun year-round. So, Coach, uh, you know, this is a, a new um, sport to Southern Miss, just a few years old, and, uh, man, pretty cool. Jeremy McLean uh, just decided beach volleyball, it's, it's not going to be, you know, just a, a tag-along to, to indoor volleyball, bringing you and your staff in, entirely, you know, different staff from, from indoor volleyball. And I guess really the first thing our listeners uh, still, you know, trying to wrap their mind around when you get a new sport at Southern Miss, what is the difference at, or the major differences between beach volleyball and you know what we would call normal indoor volleyball? Yeah, so there's a, there's many different ways you can explain it, but I tell people when you're an indoor player, you tend to be a specialist, and you're really good at one or two things. And if you want to think of a, a surgeon versus a general practitioner, um, but the, the sports are about as different as skiing and snowboarding. Uh, you're on a mountain, you're going down the mountain, you take the chairlift up, but it is a very different skill set. And so for us, we're kind of that jack-of-all-trades category. And we can't really have any one specific skill that's weak because it gets exploited. Um, the other obvious thing is there's there's only two players that play um, on a side for us. So it's, it's 2v2, and uh, they've got to cover the whole court. Now our court is a little bit smaller, um, but we're playing in the sand. So there's a trade-off there. And then uh, when you factor in the, the weather, the elements, whether it's hot, cold, rainy, um, it just it, there's a lot, lot more in terms of um, overall preparedness that goes into beach volleyball versus indoor. Um, and it doesn't mean one trains more or less. Um, but, yeah, so we're kind of jack-of-all-trades. They tend to be really specialized in a couple things. Um and then the other thing for us is we compare, compete in pairs. Uh, so I said it's 2v2, but we also compete as a team. And so to get the team victory, we need three of our five, our top five pairs to win. Um, and we rank them much like a tennis competition uh, where our number one pair plays their number one pair, our number two plays their number two on down. So... I don't know if and I can the, the other I, I helped clarify there, but Oh you you did. I mean the, the practitioner versus the surgeon, that's a that's a great illustration. Now Correct me on this, uh, where, where I'm wrong on this. I know really the first year of beach volleyball, there was some sharing of the roster between beach volleyball and indoor volleyball. You see some of the same players, you know, playing both. Is it going to continue that way or are you going to have your own exclusive roster? 
we're, we're moving to where we have two separate programs, and in large part because of, of what I just said a little bit ago, and that um, it really is two different types of players uh, to compete at the highest level. And it's pretty common um, when you start a, a beach program to use indoor players to, to kind of jumpstart that thing because you need bodies, you need people. Um, and then as time goes, the programs that have been successful really divide and, and split into two separate unique entities. Um, now, with that being said, there's going to be some special players that, that um, can bounce back and forth and still have success. Um, and so you'll see probably two to three players a season that are, that are doing both. But as we move ahead, uh, we're going to move closer and closer to being our own program. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's exciting. Here, talking to Sean Taylor, head coach at Southern Miss of Beach Volleyball, and and coach, I, I know uh, it's been this way. We whether we're talking to Scott Barry or we just talked to Brian Levan or Joy Lee McNellis or Jay Ladner or any of the head coaches at Southern Miss. You know, just so frustrated with this year. But man, you went. You, I remember when they released when you guys released the schedule this year. I was just like, wow, we're man, we're playing some some big dogs, you know, in year one or year two. We had Florida State, TCU, LSU all on the schedule, South Carolina. And I know with your background being at Kansas State, being at Arkansas State, I mean, it seems like you are the type of coach where you're going to teach your ladies, like, we're going to play the best and we're going to be the best. Absolutely. I think if uh, if you want to if you want to be great, you got to play great. And that's one of the things we stress every day in practice. Uh, so... You know, are we going to be great this year? I don't know. Uh, but we won't find out if we don't go play those teams. And so every time out is an opportunity for us to get better. And um, we, want, we want to play the best. So they push us and they bring out the best in us. Coach, Coach what are the uh, – I'm sorry, Bob, one more question and no, sure. sure. jump in. What is the what is the hardest thing I guess? And because our, some of our you know listeners, you, you know the challenges you face uh, with a basketball program. You know you know the challenges you face with the baseball program. Everybody's familiar with what you face with a football program. But getting a beach volleyball uh, program off the ground, and I think you alluded to that a little earlier. Players, obviously, the the biggest thing. But what is maybe the 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 biggest struggle or the biggest hurdle? Uh, that people may not think about when it comes to their mind? Well, I think that the first thing is where are we going to train and play? Uh, and we're super fortunate, um, and there's been a, a handful of people that have, have really contributed in a big way to make sure that we've got one of the premier facilities, uh, not just in the southeast, but in the country, to train and compete in every day. Um, so that's a big thing. And then from a coach's perspective, it's, it's getting the pieces to fit together and understanding that it isn't about having one great pair. It's about having three pairs out of the five that can win their, their respective matches. And so trying to figure out the personalities and, and the skill sets and who just really gels well with one another um, so that you can get try to get three wins at least every time. And, of course, we want – we're, we're going to be greedy. We want six wins because uh, we're allowed a, a six team that competes as an exhibition uh, pair. So we want six wins every time we go out. But for sure we want to get three wins out of that top five. And so just really trying to figure out not just 
your best players, but who are the best players that play well together, and does that partnership work well? Hey, Coach, Bob Getty here. I want to ask you the same question I asked uh, Coach LeVon uh, in the uh, first segment. Give us the landscape of beach volleyball and Conference USA, and uh, what sort of competitiveness uh, will you see across the league? Uh, it's going to be highly competitive because we are, I'm, I'm pretty sure, going to be the youngest team uh, moving into that conference. And so with Georgia State, uh, who's in, in the Sun Belt, but they're going to play, as I understand it, under the Conference USA banner, QLF, uh, UAB, um, all those schools have been doing it for almost a decade. And so for us to come in and be the new kids on the block, you know, we are, we are behind, so to speak. But um, with that being said, I think we compete. We can compete right away. We don't have to wait, you know, four, five, six years to be good at this thing. So um, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I think the other thing is that beach volleyball will be expanding and, and covid like a lot of things, has had a negative impact on, on uh, the national championship, but they want to expand into a, at least a 16-team field um, where they will go to an automatic berth um, here within the next couple years. And so with that being said, the winner of Conference USA will eventually earn the auto bid. And so it's huge for us to be able to come in and, and know that we're going to be able to compete. Um, and know that we can fight for that automatic burst to the NCAA championship. Well, there we go. We're glad to have you here, Coach. And, of course, your sport is played outside, so uh, people, when, when you get ramped up again and, and uh, get the green light to play, I think people can feel safe in coming out and, uh, and watching uh, beach volleyball. So we appreciate your time. Uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, our thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour. Absolutely, fellas. Thank you, and and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. All right. Head coach Sean Taylor, beach volleyball head coach at the University of Southern Mississippi. So uh, glad to talk about some of the other sports. Women's softball, beach volleyball today. We we really enjoy talking about some of the sports that maybe don't get the attention that the next sport we're going to talk about is going to get. We're going to hook up with uh, Kelly J. Santer. We'll talk about the uh, football matchup tomorrow for the Golden Eagles and what's happening and football across Conference USA. We'll be back. To the top. Third segment brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, home of the 895 lunch. Bob Getty special catfish today. If you missed it, uh, tomorrow, if you can't make it to the rock, 
you will be able to watch Southern Miss and UTSA at 2 p.m. on at a Fourth Street Bar and Grill. And so uh, I think Kelly uses the verb get your uh, go go tailgate tailgating, whether that's a noun or a verb. But yeah, you can do all that at Fourth Street Bar and Grill. And they support the Golden Eagles, and they support the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Kelly Sander on the phone with us. Kelly, some uh, basketball news at the NCAA. Not good stuff. No, and it's, and it's, it's a reaction to the, the world around us right now with COVID numbers continuing to go up. And, and, look, all of us on the Eagle Hour are sick of talking about COVID, as all of y'all are, but it's our job to – deliver the news. The NCAA anticipating a very rough winter for college basketball teams has lowered the number of games that NCAA teams have to play to be eligible for the postseason tournament to just 12. Hmm. Just 12 games is all they're going to have to play. Now, to put that into perspective, the basketball season usually goes November, December, January, February, and March. So over a five-month period to play 12 games, you'd really only have to play about one and a half games a month. So that's that's how bad they think that uh, COVID is going to be this winter, or at least having an effect on college basketball teams as they you know try to try to work in a season. And if you think it's been difficult to keep track of what college football games are on or off, yeah, as right. we do every day here on the Eagle Hour, we try to you know tell you because football is generally once a week. Lots of times basketball games, there might be three scheduled in a week. So, And with 357 Division I basketball teams and only about 130 Division I football teams, it's a little bit easier to keep track of the cancellations in football. And, but basketball is going to be a and mess. And the deal, the deal with basketball, man, the contact tracing is going to be a nightmare if you start enforcing that like they've done it in football. you got you got fewer guys, too. So if... You know, whereas, you know, in football, you've got a much bigger roster. If you've got a guy out in this position and a guy out in that position, well, you could have a second or third stringer come up and maybe take that spot. There just aren't a whole lot of extra guys on a basketball team. So, um, again, the, the NCAA looking at, looking at the numbers and talking to medical professionals, I mean, you're only going to have to play 12 games to be eligible for postseason. And remember the year that, you know, a couple of years ago when Donnie Tyndall and all of them won so many games, I think Southern won 29 or 30 and lost five. So you do the math, or there's 34, 35 games that you would normally play in a season generally, and that includes your postseason conference tournament. So they are essentially thinking that they're only going to be able to get a third of the basketball season in because of the virus. And a greater risk to fans as well, because the games are indoors, obviously, and the um... They say indoors, you know, indoors is more dangerous than being outdoors. So, uh, just going to be going to be a tough basketball season, Kelly. Yeah, and, and as assistant coach Kyle Rohn told us at Southern Miss, they're already taking precautions. They've taken all the courtside seating that people uh, have normally, you know, been able to sit in. You know, big uh, season ticket holders and big donors sit right down there on the court. Well, they're not going to do that this year, and they're actually moving people back up off of the the edge of the of the circular area there of Reed Green and moving them back up two or three floors or two or three rows. So they're doing everything they can to, to make sure that you know, the people are protected. But it's just going to come down to what is, a, what is a college basketball roster, guys? Maybe 15 guys? Yeah, something maybe? like that, yeah. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So there's, just, there's not very much room for error, and we hope uh, that that's not the case. But, again, that word from the NCAA today, you only have to play 12 games to qualify for postseason play. Two words, vaccine quickly. 
get the vaccine out, put the yeah. political crap to bed, and get the vaccine out and start getting Americans vaccinated for this stuff. And California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom is shutting that state down again. So here we go. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can we started talking about Donnie Tindall after we had that ex- excellent interview with him. Don't ever say the name Gavin Newsom ever again on this show, Kevin. No, yeah, just letting that, you know that. Um, that's right. That's anyway, right, that's right um, up there with Ole Miss. Come on. Last time we will talk about this, but we need to bring it to our uh, our listeners' attention today. Jack Abraham has officially entered the transfer portal. So uh, yeah. earlier this week, talked to Heath Hinton, talked to Patrick McGee, kind of unsure whether he would come back. Not coming back, he has inf- entered the, uh, the transfer portal as a graduate transfer. So Jack Abraham's career at Southern Miss uh, done. Um, we'll talk more in, about the UTSA, UTSA game uh, in the next segment when we when we do our picks. But but guys, I couldn't help. Uh, I was going through social media earlier today, and it surprised me. I totally didn't realize the significance of this day. Seventeen years ago, to this day, on a Thursday night in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, in front of an ESPN national broadcast, uh, Mike Tirico, Lee Corso, Her- Kirk Herbstreet on the call. The number nine Horn Frogs of Texas Christian University came in, and and I remember, guys, in pregame there was Orange Bowl representatives on the sideline. They were, you know, like you have a Masters green jacket. These guys had on orange jackets. TCU was looking to be the first BCS Buster, so a a non what we now know as a Power Five school to get into the BCS. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, Southern Miss, we cost Conference USA $13 million, but we weren't thinking about it at the time. We, uh, just kind of rocked TCU there, 40 to 28. Man, sweet memories. What are you guys' memories of that night? Well, what I remember is I've never been prouder of a Southern Miss crowd. The rock was just electric. And, uh, I'm sure you heard this all night, Luke. Overrated was chanted from the minute TCU came on the field. <laughs> And literally, the crowd never stopped chanting that throughout the entire game. It was an amazing electric night at the Rock. Kelly, I remember. I remember they had a stud running back called Ladanian Tomlinson, who of course went on to the National Football League and had a pretty good career. But specifically, what I remember was the immense headache I woke up with the next morning. Now I know what you're thinking, and. And that might have had part to do with it, mm-hmm. but I really think the reason I had that bad headache was when I came down with the goalpost in the end zone, I hit my head on the turf. And, <laughs> and ooh, that, it took that, y'all long enough to do it. I re- well, now look, when, 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 the game, when the game was over, well, we, we rushed the field. My helmet got lost somewhere in the traffic. I but I was standing the there with my, with my roommate and some more friends, and we're sitting there and we're watching it. And we're just like, Yes, they're going to tear it down. And like three minutes yes. later, they're like, they're going to tear it down. And 10 minutes later, I know it took like 13 to 14 minutes for them to tear <laughs> that thing down. Well, and we, we, man, when it came down, though, it was, it was unbelievable. Believe me, we were doing everything we could, Luke, and there was no YouTube at the time to say how to pull down a goalpost. Right. <laughs> you know, you know what's the greatest thing when you when you talk about games like this is it it takes you back to the heyday. You know, it takes you back yeah. to a time when Southern Miss football would go play anybody, and as a fan, you felt confident every time you took the field that your team could win the football game, and it really didn't matter who you were playing. Anybody. Yeah, that's- yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And, that, and and really, from a fan standpoint, that's all you want right. to know, is that your team has a chance to compete. Right, right. It was a glorious that, night. That no game, 
That game was a culmination, and you, you forget about this. In 2002, Louisville came in on a Thursday night, and it was pregame and half of that game. It was just as raucous as the TCU game. We should have won that game. We, we missed a few field goals and played really good. Louisville had that quarterback, Dave Ragone, and, and uh, we lost in overtime, and it was a game we should have won. And so you felt like when TCU came back around, all of that disappointment, all that emotion from the year before, same scenario, and now you got number nine in the nation coming in. That the loudest guys that the Rock ever was, and I played. You know, I don't know how many games I played in the Rock. Late in the game, of course, we were up thirty-one to six. TCU comes back, and uh, it was a pretty tight game. It was uh, it was like thirty-one twenty-eight, I think. And Tyrone Nix, they have the ball first and ten, and they're like at their twenty-five. So first offensive play for TCU. Tyrone Nix sends a blind corner blitz. He sends Greg Brooks off the right side. Nathan Stewart came as a backer and got in the way of the back, and so Eric or Greg Brooks came free off the right side. He hits the quarterback, the ball shoots out, and that was the loudest that I have ever heard the rock in, in going to games as a fan and playing uh, as a player was at that moment. I mean, we scored a few plays later. It still wasn't that loud. Just the electricity of that night I don't think will po- possibly ever be reproduced at a Southern Miss football and, game. And that particular play is amazing because Obviously, our cornerback was blind because you said there's a blind corner blitz. So how, <laughs> how did he ever? Censors, Kelly. Censors. Those were the glory days. Side blitz. Those were the glory days, guys. And don't, and don't you feel a little sorry for the players today that they don't really know what it was like here when when it was like that, Luke? How exhilarating as a player was that to play in front of the, the crowds at the Rock when it was electric like it was so many nights? Every every game, uh, when the game was over, I would run over, and it was the ATOs or somebody, one of those raucous fraternity guys, they'd be on the first two rows. I would do my version of the Lambo Leap, and they would always just be waiting there. And it was the type of, of atmosphere where... I mean, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like we sold out every game. It wasn't like it was 35,000 there. But, I mean, there was the 25 to 28 that were in the stands the, the whole time. Sure felt like you were playing in front of 70 to 80. Overrated. Overrated. Yeah. And real quick, before we go to commercial break, that Louisville game you were talking about, that we missed a couple field goals with Stump, the kicker, that year? <laughs> no. He's married that's, with kids at that point. That's terrible, Kelly. We love you, Stump. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Final segment of the week brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg and online, toyotahattiesburg.com. If you're thinking of a new, uh, getting a new vehicle or uh, maybe a pre-owned vehicle, certified vehicle, go on toyotahattiesburg.com. Search their entire inventory. You can also secure fans, uh, financing and value your trade in all that at Toyota Hattiesburg. Dot com. Also want to tell you about DBAT and D1 Training, great new facilities in 
Hattiesburg on Hardy Street in the old Gaddytown building. To the left is DBAT. That is a baseball and softball uh, academy. Great instructors. And take advantage right now. They've, they've got some minor league uh, instructors uh, in there. And then on the right side is a D1 training. You can get some of the best training of your life. A 70-yard indoor turf field uh, to work on uh, some getting in shape. And, of course, a full-fledged weight room, all of that at D1 Training. D-Bat D1, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly Center continues with us on the phone. Look at tomorrow's game, a uh, afternoon kickoff for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Uh, UTSA comes to town, UTSA 5-4, and four, Southern Miss 2-6. and six. These two teams have met six times uh, before Southern Miss holds a 4-2-2. Two, two, Advantage, uh, and Southern Miss has won the last three games. So uh, we'll we'll pick that one in just a, a minute. But six games, guys, on tap for this weekend. Two actually, or I'm sorry, one actually uh, tonight. Five games this week, three canceled in the conference. So tonight to kick it off, UMass at Florida Atlantic. UMass, one of those teams that said they weren't going to play, but then scheduled a couple games on the uh, on the calendar. UMass 0-2, Florida Atlantic 4-1, Owls a 33-point favorite. Kelly Center. Yeah, that, I don't even know why they're playing that game. I mean, the only other game that might, might be worse would be FAU against FIU. Owls big. Yeah, the Owls win that one going away. Not much of a challenge for them, I don't think. I concur. Over-under is 51. The over-under is 51.5, and and FAU is a 33-point favorite. Um, A game that was supposed to be played tonight canceled UAB at UTEP, and, of course, got to still think that the city of of El Paso have an issue. So that game uh, won't be played, but uh, the game tonight, UMass at Florida Atlantic, that's 7 p.m. kick on CBS Sports Network. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Florida International at Western Kentucky on ESPN3, FIU 0-4 with their million-dollar coach, Butch Davis. Western Kentucky 3-6. The Hilltoppers a 7.5-point favorite. Kelly? I don't think the Hilltoppers should be favored by that much. but I don't. And I know Western Kentucky beat the Eagles last week, but I'm telling you, had, had one thing bounced the Eagles' way or another, Southern Miss would have won that game. Um, but FIU has just been a horrible disappointment. I mean, you talk about not getting your money's worth. Uh, as an FIU fan. I mean, I don't think it'll be seven points, but I think Western Kentucky will win. Kelly, you remember the show The Million Dollar Man with uh, Lee... The Six Million Dollar Man Six with million. Lee Majors. Lee Majors, right. Uh, yeah. Luke has no idea what we're talking about. He uh, was I've heard Farrah of Farrah Fawcett. Well, yeah, gorgeous. Don't don't get me started on Farrah Fawcett. Uh, I, like the, I like the Million Dollar Coach. I think he's going to win this weekend. I like uh, the Florida team, yeah. Okay. To quote a politician in power, wrong. Uh, Western Kentucky is going to win. Um, I'll remember this. One o'clock kick. Fellas. One o'clock kick on ESPN three. Rice one and one at North Texas. No line in this one, uh, but Kelly, uh, I got a pretty good idea who you're going to pick. I'm going to take the Owls. Is that who you thought I was going to take? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of, I think Rice is okay. I mean, they just haven't played a lot. Right. What is this, their second game, third game? Yeah, third game. Because they got their game in against us, but but other than that, um, I just don't think much of North Texas. I'll take Rice. I like the Al quarterback, and I like that wide receiver that was uh, put on such a show here. I like Rice. Yeah, I got I got Rice in this one. I think they'll beat North Texas by multiple touchdowns. 
2.30 kick on ESPN3, Middle Tennessee, uh, non-conference game at Troy. Troy, a 12-point favorite. Kelly? Yeah, I like Troy. And uh, Middle Tennessee, too, even though they have, they've won a game here or there, has been a bit of a disappointment with, with what they were expected to do this year. I'll take Troy to win at home. Trojans. Yeah, Troy, too, I think, in a more high-scoring game than what people think. Postponement, uh, two more games postponed. Charlotte at Marshall, not going to happen. And UL Monroe at Louisiana Tech, not going to happen. Uh, most important game of the week, 2 p.m. kick on ESPN+. Plus. UTSA Roadrunners, 5-4, and 8.5-point favorite in the Rock against Southern Miss. We should say, scouting report tells us Tate Watley is going to start. He's had a really good week of practice. Kelly Center. Boy, you know, I sure would like to take the Eagles, but the Eagles have been a disappointment in Conference USA this year. Conversely, the, the uh, Roadrunners have been kind of a surprise. Um, I would like to take Southern Miss, but I can't. Guys, I, I think the Roadrunners are a better team right now. I'd love to see an upset, but I, in all honesty, I just don't think this football team has it in them. I, uh, I agree with you, Kelly. It's 2020. The whole year's a mulligan. I'm going to pick Southern Miss until – I can't pick Southern Miss anymore. Go Eagles in the upset. (laughs) I hope you're right. I hope Kelly and I are wrong. And I'm also one last pick. I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the former team known as the Redskins (laughs) by three touchdowns. I'll second that. Bob, we're trying so hard to keep kids off drugs. (laughs) Have a good weekend, everybody. Kelly and I will be watching Sunday, and uh, we'll discuss that a fight uh, when we get back. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.